Hi everyone and welcome to the Local Homeschoolers podcast, where you come for local resources and encouragement. I am your host, Autumn Frisbee. Hi everyone, on today's show we have Felicia Smith. Felicia is a certified dyslexia therapist and a former homeschool student. She owns the Bright Ideal Learning Tutoring and Early Learning Center throughout the state of Texas and is opening a new center right here in Palm Beach County. So let's jump in. Okay, yeah, awesome. Um, so I'm Felicia Smith. Um, I'm 31 years old. I was originally born in California and then I wasn't there long enough to really claim it. Um, I've been in Texas pretty much ever since. Um, so my family unit is myself and Steven and Victoria is our oldest, my stepdaughter, she's 10. And then, um, next is Koa, our only son, he's two and a half. And then Mila kind of wraps it up. She's our youngest and she is one and a half. And um, we've lived in Texas forever and ever. And we've vacationed in Florida forever and ever. And every time we come to Florida, um, we get an Airbnb for a set amount of time and we stay longer and longer and longer. I will find any excuse to stay here. It feels like home to me, um, which is so crazy because I live in Texas. But every time I'm here, I'm like, I can see like if our future and our life here and like raising the kids here. And, um, which is crazy because I run my own business and it's planted, it's rooted in Texas. And so anytime we would talk about that, it was always just like this crazy idea of like one day when we retire, just like that far off dream. But, um, my background in education, um, I, got my certification in um, teaching and then went straight into getting my certification in dyslexia therapy. Um, so college was actually my first experience in um, mainstream education. I was homeschooled um, from preschool all the way up through 12th grade. And for me, it was a really beautiful experience. Um, there's no part of me that fantasizes about what it would be like if I had gone to public school or private school. For me, it was a wonderful experience. But I had friends um, who also had a good experience homeschooling, but they were dyslexic. And so um, they really struggled academically. And so their experience wasn't as smooth and beautiful necessarily as mine. Um, and that, I think, piqued my curiosity into dyslexia therapy and um, my next door neighbor at one point happened to be a dyslexia therapist and I never heard about that or that being a career. And so I just, I picked her brain one day. I was like, what is that? What is this thing that you do? And, um, she told me all about it and she worked, um, for the public school system and she answered all my questions and I was fascinated. I loved the science. I loved the, the, the blending of the experience of education and then taking that a step further into a specialization. And um, so I think it was like 14 or 15 at the time. And I like just tucked it away and I was like, I love this. I think I might do this as a career. Um, fast forward to 16, I graduated from high school, went into college and immediately started education classes. And um, I would say my college experience was not mainstream college really either. Although I went to college, I really went there to learn. So I was just very, very focused. Um, so I got through uh, my teaching certification pretty fast. And um, 
all my professors and friends and people who love me were all like, oh, you should just get a teaching job and, you know, go back to therapy school later, you know, when you, when you have time, go get some experience first. And, um, at that point I had met a few other therapists who were in private practice and I had gone and observed them and shadowed them. And so I kind of had this beautiful, um, idea of what my future in that career could look like. And there was no talking me out of it. So I was like committed to seeing this two year extra specialization through. Um, and I did, I got to the other side of it, um, spent six years in public education and then, um, transfers out, transferred out into private practice. And, uh, so that was kind of my, my sort of history up to this point and starting Bright Idea Learning and all of that. That is such a fascinating story. I just, um, I love that you talked about your passion starting when you're age 14. Um, And I feel like dyslexia wasn't really a hot topic back then when you really started getting interested in it. Exactly. It was not as well known. Um, You know, I think there were, at least in Texas, Texas is kind of a leader in dyslexia therapy and the studies and the sciences and the training of therapists. So I think as a state, we were, you know, moving forward. But at that point in time, there weren't a lot of therapists trained. It was a pretty new career and um, laws were still being formed. Curriculum was still being written. Um, So um, yeah, it was just kind of in its beginning stages. And so, um, you know, people I grew up with um, don't have the experience that students now have of like, you can pretty much find it. If you really want to find a therapist, you can probably find one. Whereas before it was pretty, um, it was pretty new and there were very few people trained and there were not a lot of private practice therapists, um, in Texas. So a homeschool student who had dyslexia was kind of lost. Like you didn't, didn't know where your resources were or who to reach out to, or, you know, you were just kind of like muddling through it as best you could. And that's kind of what I saw, um, you know, with my friend's journey was just like, they were muddling through, they were pushing through, they had a great mom and she was, you know, doing the best that she could, um, and constantly looking for resources, but it just wasn't readily available at that time period. And tell me some of the issues that you saw from your homeschool friends. Mainly confidence, like a confidence emotional thing, I think would be the biggest thing that I saw was just, um, you know, I was very, um, I don't know if this is something that's talked about a lot in Florida, but in Texas, like, um, you know, I've heard this growing up and I still hear it now. Um, You know, if I tell somebody I'm homeschooled and they don't have a lot of background in homeschooling or don't don't know anyone who's homeschooled, they're like, oh my gosh, your social skills are so amazing. It, w- it wasn't like a social school thing. Like they were socially and, and um, you know, where they thrived, whether it was sports or 4-H and agriculture was a big thing during that time. So maybe they thrived barrel racing or something. They would be co- totally and completely confident in that. But, you know, ask them to read or write something. And it was like they would just totally shut down um, because they knew that they could not. And they didn't want anybody else to know that they could not. 
So um, they would hang back or they would limit themselves, you know. Um, so when I was looking at colleges and graduating early and, you know, they were not. They were looking at trade school and they were looking at, um, you know, things that they could do that where they could bypass, you know, the need to be able to read and write. Like the idea of going and taking a college entrance exam, even though they were very smart and very talented and capable um, because they could not read and write effectively. And they knew that that was not even an option for them. A lot of us don't understand the difference between dyslexia and dysgraphia. Would you mind kind of diving into that topic a little bit? So dysgraphia and dyslexia are very similar and oftentimes they're intertwined, um, as well as dyscalculia and, um, attention deficit disorder can sort of mix in there too as well. Um, but dyslexia is a brain-based um, learning difference. Um, it's the way that we process um, information as far as letters, sounds, and organizing that information into something we can utilize to read and to spell. So if you are dyslexic, the process that your brain goes through to sort through that information, to learn it and be able to store it and then pull it back out in a meaningful way to use it, to read and to spell. It's like it gets jumbled. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not getting stored in the right place. And it's not, the student is not able to pull it out and use it again in an effective manner. So oftentimes parents notice the beginnings of what is probably the early stages of needing to be referred for an evaluation and get that, um, you know, label of dyslexia, you know, they'll be trying to teach their child how to read and they've been working on very simple sounds and very, very simple words over and over. And they get to a place where it's like, okay, we've got that down. We learned the, and we learned he and she and said, and then the next day you come back to that same lesson and you want to build on top of it. And it's like you guys never had the lesson from the day before, right? The That it just didn't drive home. It didn't connect. And you know you were there. You worked on that. You had this beautiful lesson. And then it just fell apart. Like the student doesn't know or remember that. So, um, so that can kind of be the beginning signs of dyslexia. The beginning red flags. Um, other things that can come up would be like, um, using the first sound at the end of the word or using the end ending sound as the first sound in the word. So swapping those beginning ending sounds or completely omitting a sound, either the first sound, the middle sound, or the ending sound. Um, and then it also shows up in the aspect of spelling. So very unique spelling patterns, oftentimes very phonetic spelling patterns, um, or you might have a unique situation where they're spelling, but they're only spelling with the consonants that are in that word. They're taking out all of the vowels, um, writing their name and completely, um, trans, you know, putting it like, so my name, Felicia, F-E-L-I-C-I-A, um, writing it completely backwards. Um, you know, things like that are oftentimes beginning signs and, you know, isolated, just one of those things doesn't necessarily mean dyslexia. So oftentimes parents will call me and they'll be like, oh my gosh, my student reverses their B's and D's and um, is that dyslexia? 
And it very well could be that is something that we often associate with that label, but it's also developmentally appropriate till third grade. So within those signs, those red flags, you also have to remember this is an individual learner um, with individual strengths and weaknesses. And, um, you know, we can run down the checklist, right? But, um, you know, even if it looks like, oh, wow, we're seeing a lot of these red flags that I, you know, Googled, um, doesn't necessarily mean that it is dyslexia. But the probability that it could be is really, really high. And so then that would be, um, you know, I think a strong push to dig deeper, uh, maybe get some dyslexia testing and see what that true outcome of the testing is. Um, dysgraphia is kind of like a side piece to dyslexia, and that affects um, the brain and motor skill coordination. So um, it's almost like um, the motor skills have not truly developed yet. Um, it's like um, forming letters can be wobbly or too big or too small or they start out fine and very, very quickly your stamina tapers off and then you cannot read what you're writing. Um, or you go to write something down and you had a really great topic and you had some sentences in your brain and you go to write it and all that leaves your mind. It's kind of like writer's block, but like an ongoing writer's block. So it can be the motor skill piece or it can be that transfer of ideas from the head out onto the paper. And then dyscalculia is the piece that affects math. So that oftentimes appears when you're doing multiple steps at one time, um, just getting off course. Um, your, your math is correct, but you missed a step. And usually that shows up in word problems. Um, it can also show up when you're um, doing um, addition, multiplication in rows. So maybe you have three rows of numbers and you're kind of going through the rows, but you didn't line all your numbers up correctly. So your math is correct, but your numbers are off. And so the answer is therefore incorrect. Um, so you solved a completely correct problem, but because your numbers were not all lined up, it is technically wrong. Um, and that happens a lot with dyslexic students that had that dyscalculate piece. Um, so things like graph paper come into play and, um, you know, um, finding ways to identify what are all the steps that need to be solved and that kind of thing. So those are the main things that I see. And then oftentimes when you're having, when you have dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, um, any sort of blending of those things, oftentimes there is an attention piece that shows up. And I think attention, um, along with the others is very much on a scale, so to speak. So, and it's very situational. So whether you school at home or you school in private school or public school, there's going to be situations where you can't set it up perfect, right? You can't have the perfectly warm cup of tea and be cozy on your bed with a book and life just be very calm and peaceful. There are days where it's like, everybody's doing something and it's loud and it's noisy. And so it's learning those tools of like, okay, how do I focus in on what I need to do 
and accomplish my personal goals for the day while everybody else is doing their own thing that is really important to them as well. Could you offer maybe a few simple tips before someone was to come to initial consult? Um, The first one is don't panic. (laughs) Um, Don't panic. Um, You know, um, also maybe uh, don't do a deep dive on, on Google. Maybe don't ask all your friends who have gone down the dyslexia road. You know, there, there are some horror stories out there. I think the biggest thing I see with families once they kind of do that Google search and then ask all their friends Mm -hmm. as they immediately are like, do we need to change all of our curriculum? Do we need to go out and buy a completely new curriculum? Because now there's a possibility of my child being dyslexic. Um, You know, do I need to hire a therapist? Do I need to get testing? And it's like you go into like, oh my gosh, I have to do a complete overhaul on what I've been doing and um, we need to fix everything right now. And you don't. You don't have to fix everything right now. Um, You know, the next step is to... um, you know, if you're if you're seeing all those signs, the next step would be to um, find someone to test your child for dyslexia. Then, after that diagnosis, you can go to a a therapist, and you can take that data and that documentation, and the therapist can look over it, um, answer any questions that you have, and then begin that process of dyslexia therapy. Um, dyslexia therapy kind of encompasses what I was talking about earlier with the dysgraphia piece and the dyscalculia piece and even attention, um, you know, just looking at the overall needs of the child and then slowly, you know, one piece at a time working to bring all those things into balance to where um, that child is able to really um, meet those educational goals that they have and personal goals that they have and feel confident and not, um, be at a place where they're avoiding tasks or, um, opportunities because they feel like they can't. Um, so my, my advice is just take it one step at a time. You know, after you do that Google search, the next step is to find someone to test your child. And um, don't be afraid of a, a label or a diagnosis. That is like, that's your answer. And that unlocks the next door, which is finding the perfect therapist, you know, for your for your family. And then kind of going down that therapy journey. You know, I think the biggest question I hear from homeschool families is, do I need to completely change my homeschool curriculum? The way I view it is that if you know how to teach your child, and you do, you're, you, you've, you've been with them forever. You know them in and out. You know their personality. You may not know how to help them as a dyslexic learner, but you've been there for their entire existence and gotten them to this point. Um, it doesn't matter what curriculum you use, you're going to be effective at that. So, um, you know, there are little tweaks that can be made along the way with a therapist, but you don't have to take that homeschool curriculum that you spent good money on and just throw it out the window. There are homeschool curriculums out there and um, even public school curriculums and private school curriculums that are marketed to, um, you know, meeting the needs of the dyslexic student. Um, But you don't have to invest in that. You know, I think the biggest place to invest your money is in, um, you know, getting that really amazing testing and then finding a therapist 
to provide that support while you continue doing the amazing work you're doing at home. You know, if you have a student who doesn't want to do the work or seems lazy at reading or or kind of just kind of fights with you on it, um, that might be an actual sign that there's something wrong versus that they're just bis- being disobedient. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of times, um, you know, that emotional piece um, shows up like, um, like disrespect or like um, avoidance or laziness or I'm going to put this off till the last possible minute because it's, I, I know I'm not good at this and that feels uncomfortable and I don't want to feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to hope that my mom forgets that this was even something that was on the list of things we needed to do today. And of course, you're not going to forget. But, you know, then it turns into like, why are we having this fight every single day to get this work done? You know, why are we avoiding this? And um, it's kind of another clue to be like, okay, there's got to be something deeper going on here. What what is it? Why, why is it such a big fight? Um, and a lot of times it does show up as laziness or disrespect, but it really is. I don't feel comfortable doing this and I know I'm not good at it. And I don't want you to know that I'm not good at it. Now, have you seen a rise in these learning issues or do you think it's just, um, now that there's more acknowledgement of, you know, certain issues that we're seeing this more and more. For sure, there is a rise, a rise in our awareness of what dyslexia is, how it shows up in students. Um, you know, when, you know, when do they need therapy? We were still kind of even 10 years ago figuring this out. And I say we like as in Texas and then Florida, you know, there are still plenty of states that don't recognize dyslexia even now as existing. Um, They don't provide any funding for it. They're not training any therapists. There are no laws to protect students who have this learning difference. So, um, you know, there is still a lot of places that do not Um, recognize dyslexia. So if you live in a place that doesn't recognize dyslexia, um, your numbers are going to be really low, but it doesn't mean that you don't have dyslexic students in your state. It just means that you don't, um, you haven't identified them. And um, so I think what's happened over the last 10 years is the states that have created those laws and created the training for therapists and then um, really advocated Um, to protect students with dyslexia within their state, over the last 10 years, we've seen an increase in students who have been identified as dyslexic. And they were always there. Um, They just weren't identified. So we didn't have that data before. And the data that we did have wasn't really accurate. So when I'm sitting with a student and um, they've just been identified as dyslexic, usually mom and dad are in the meeting and sometimes even grandma and grandpa come to the meeting. And it is not unusual for one of the parents or grandparents to say, I'm dyslexic. I was never tested. I never got therapy, but I am dyslexic. And, um, you know, I was labeled a problem in school or never learned how to read or spell. And so, um, you know, I, I see the proof of that within meetings of, oh, there's, there's one, you know, that never made it into the data and wouldn't really count as a, as a number, but is there. Um, so I think it, the, the volume is really more just an accurate number. 
So um, pretty much, I think it's one in five learners are dyslexic. Um, and um, potentially have the dysgraphia, dyscalculia piece, maybe some intentional things um, within that diagnosis. And then um, I will say that um, since COVID, I've seen a big change in um, the number of students who are struggling in learning overall, um, regardless of whether they learned at home, at private school, or at public school. And um, so that's kind of something that I think has muddied the waters a little bit, is um, right now we have a lot of learners that they're not solid completely and whatever it was they were learning during COVID times. And so there's still like a shaky foundation and we've continued on and we've layered new information on top of whatever they were learning during COVID. But whatever they were learning in there, especially if it was foundational skills, it's just not a hundred percent solid. And so, um, you know, I see a lot of students that come in and they, they need help in math or they need help in reading. And if you're just looking at that checklist of like, oh, are they dyslexic or do they have dyscalculia? Some of those red flags might pop up and they're not. They just, they're just kind of on shaky ground from the 2020 learning experience. Let's talk a little bit about the facility that you will be opening here in Florida. Um, what services will you be offering and when do you, um, when do you plan on having that that um, learning center open? In Texas, we have um, Bright Idea Learning, um, and we offer tutoring services pre-K all the way through 12th grade in math, reading, and creative writing skills. Um, and that's just for, um, you know, general, general students. Um, you know, and then we have dyslexia therapy services, um, dysgraphia, dyscalculus services with certified dyslexia therapists. And... Um, those are that's also for all grades and then um in texas we have um a secondary piece to um the business which is a early learning center so we have a preschool right now our preschool is only in one location um our our main location sherman and we um work with students five days a week who are three and four years old preparing them for um, kindergarten readiness so we oftentimes get asked if we're a daycare and we're not um, we have um calling my business partner who's stationed still in texas um and will be um she writes all her own curriculum and um they are in school they are learning and um developing um right along getting ready for kindergarten so that's kind of what it looks like in Texas. We have four locations, Bonham, Sherman, Salina, and Longview, Texas. In coming to Florida, my goal is to get to know the community and get to see what Florida specifically wants. What do the families and students in Florida need? Um, so for right now, um, we are just planning to provide tutoring services, um, we want to offer pre-K all the way through 12th grade math, reading, and creative writing like we do in Texas. And then um, really want to just focus heavily on the dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia services with certified therapists. Um, and really um, 
dig into getting to know the community. So our goal is to just be kind of a one-stop shop where regardless of what your educational academic needs are, um, you can receive services. And it doesn't matter if you're homeschooled, private schooled, public schooled, you can come and get what you need. So over the next six months, my goal is to service families within their home or at the library and um, really just span the whole Palm Beach County community and get to know everyone, uh, anybody who needs services and see what their needs are, um, get to know the community, get to know the area. And then based on where we're getting most of our students from, we will be putting a storefront location and then kind of go from there and build locations based on where the biggest demand is. Um, so my hope is in the next year to have two, maybe three um, storefront locations. Uh, but I want to take these first six months and just really um, see what the community needs and then create that. That is super exciting. So if a family would like a consultation, how can they best get in touch with you right now? The best way to get in touch with me would be um, on Facebook. So if you look for us on Facebook or Instagram, it's Bright Idea Learning. We have one Facebook page that is for Texas. So it's Bright Idea Learning Tutoring and Early Learning Center. If you're wanting to go on the Texas page, you can kind of see what we've done in Texas. And I think that's kind of a nice little introduction to us, you get to see um, reviews from real parents and um, just kind of, you know, get a feel for our services and what they look like in action. And then um, we have a page on Facebook and Instagram that's just specific to Florida. So it's Bright Idea Learning Florida. And um, you can DM me on there. You can also reach out to me on my cell, which is 903 227-7059. Um, either one of those are great ways to get in touch with me. And um, I'm just booking sessions actually this week um, with new families. And I would love to connect with the community more and um, just get a feel from parents and students. Mm -hmm. And I love that your background, you know, as a homeschool student, would you mind just giving a little bit of advice for maybe a parent who's on the fence to homeschool or thinking, can I really get my child graduated um, through a homeschool? Can you just provide a little, maybe a word of encouragement for those parents right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I will say my mom was amazing. I fully credit her. She homeschooled um, me all the way through pre-K all the way through 12th grade. And I graduated early. I graduated when I was 16. And then she also homeschooled my two younger sisters. And um, my middle sister is now a news reporter. She was in Alaska for six years and like won a bunch of awards. And now she's settled with her husband in Salt Lake City and is a investigative reporter there. And she's doing amazing. And then my youngest sister is like a jack of all trades. Like she can do everything. There's nothing she can't do. Like she can build a yurt. She can work in a coffee shop. She's also an artist. And then like she puts together websites for people. I don't even know all the skills that she has. Like she'll randomly be like, oh, I'm doing this now. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know you could do that. So, so I think, um, I, I guess I just say that to say like, I'm sure there were days when my mom, I know there were days when my mom felt like she just wanted to throw her hands up. Um, and I've even had those, you know, as, as a business owner and as a teacher and a therapist, you know, um, I think regardless of if you're 
your background is education and you went and you got some degrees or whether you were a mom and you just intuitively know your children and you, you let that be your guiding force and providing education to them. It doesn't matter. There's going to be those days where you're like, what am I even doing? <laughs> like everything went wrong. Like from the morning to the evening, nothing went right. Nothing was smooth. And um, we didn't even get half of the list of things we needed to do checked off. And I think the best thing I can just say is like, there's going to be those days like that, you know, the days that you don't want to tell anyone about, you know, and it's usually like the next day when somebody is like, tell me what it's like to be a homeschool mom. And you're just like, uh, like I tell them like the real truth that like yesterday was terrible. Or do I tell them like the overall picture, like overall, it's amazing. Overall, it's a wonderful experience. And I think that's it. It's like overall as a business owner, it's incredible. I love it. I love being able to work for myself. I love being able to structure my day where I'm meeting the needs of students and I'm, I'm thriving in that creative space and working with um, families and children and meeting needs and feeling fulfilled. But I've structured my time to where I get up and I have coffee and breakfast with my kids and I put them to bed at night and read them stories. And I, I love that. I love that. But there are those days where even the best laid plans don't work out and you feel like, you don't even know what you're doing or why would you even open a business? And I think that that can be applied to being a homeschool mom too. And I think when you hit that road bump and you're like, well, today was the worst. It was just a bad day. It is not a reflection of you as a mom. It's not a reflection of you as a business owner or as a, as a homeschool mom, a parent, a teacher. It's not a reflection of you overall. It was just a bad day. It was a day where nothing actually went right. But you're going to get up tomorrow and you're going to make another cup of coffee and you're going to start the day over. And tomorrow is probably going to be a decent day or a really good day. And it's just going with the flow of those things and realizing everybody has them. I have them. I'm sure you have them, Autumn. Mm -hmm. And um, we're just so critical of ourselves. But, um, you know, pull out those good moments, pull out those wins, tuck your child into bed at night. And um, you think back on the day, find the moment that was a win, find the moment that was successful. Um, you know, and it could be something simple. You guys died laughing because the project that you had planned to do over photosynthesis, like just completely didn't look at all like the Pinterest photo. And you're just like, oh my God, I will never show this to anyone. This isn't going on Facebook. Um, we're throwing this in the trash. Um, you know, maybe you guys died laughing over that and that'll be a memory. I, I have like a vivid memory of my mom. Um, we were learning about Egypt, something about Egypt. It was like a history lesson. And my mom like comes in with these bags, these Walmart sacks, and she's got construction paper. She's got yarn. She had this great idea to make these wigs and she had her hot glue gun. Like she powered up with all the tools and materials and it turned out to be a disaster. Like these wigs, like 
they were a disaster. But I have a vivid memory of that day and the lesson. And I couldn't tell you specifically what we were learning about Egypt, but we had a great time and we were like dying laughing at the end because they did not turn out good. And um, I'm sure she probably felt like, oh my gosh, I put all this energy into this project and it was a complete failure. But I vividly remember, and it's still to this day, like when I think about homeschooling, like it flashes up in my mind vividly of like these ridiculous yarn wigs that my mom decided we were going to make for learning about Egypt. So I just say all that to say like, you don't know what is going to be that beautiful, meaningful memory in your child's mind of their educational journey and experience. Uh, so don't be hard on yourself. And you're you're not going to be perfect. It's not going to always look and be exactly how you dreamed it up to be in your head. And that's okay. Sometimes just the real moments and the projects that don't work out great or the rough patches or, you know, the fight to sit down and actually get to work for the day. Like, that's normal. We all have those. And I think it's just finding the good moments in every day and being like, yeah, today I was such a successful homeschool mom because my kids laughed and had a great time. And I just, I have just loved and enjoyed our conversation today. So I appreciate you coming on. And I really, really am excited for you and um, in your new journey here in Florida. So welcome to Florida. Thank you, Autumn, for inviting me on your podcast. This was such a great conversation. Um, And I hope it's meaningful to you and your listeners. And um, I'm just so grateful that you invited me on. Thank you for tuning in to the Local Homeschoolers podcast. If you would like to share your homeschool story or have a local Palm Beach County resource that you would like to share on the podcast, please reach out to us at localhomeschoolers.com.